Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for checking into the best Houston sports podcast. Robert with my co-host, Sports Radio 610, Sean Bijani. In this one, we preview Texans-Browns. Wonder which Texans high draft pick is looking more and more like a bust and look at the big Rockets' positive development in the last few games. And Sean, no C.J. Stroud again Sunday. How surprised and concerned are you right now about him? I'm a little surprised because, you know, we know how hard his head hit the ground. I mean, we could all see it. Uh, And the reason why we could see it so clearly is that the ground was wet in New York and you could just see the moisture just bounce up with his head. There's no question it was a hard hit, but we've seen harder hits, you know, in our football lives. Right. And so for that reason, it's just uh, a little concerning, uh, a little worrisome that, you know, he's basically been declared though the, the team hasn't officially said anything we know the reports we know what's out there we know he wasn't on the practice field Wednesday and the likelihood of him being out there on Thursday is slim to none too certainly as it's taken him this long to pass you know certain phases of the protocol it's it's surprising in that regard but it's absolutely the right thing you look back and see you know how uh the team has handled concussion situations before and while every concussion is different to to you know its own individual so it's almost a couple of weeks you know with the concussion uh wasn't seen in the locker room wasn't seen on the field not even a side field so i think they're just doing everything they possibly can for what's in the best interest of the individual and who that individual is counts even a little bit more yeah and the thing about it is you just haven't even seen much of Stroud yet. It's taken a little bit longer time. And you you wonder, Sean, there was a couple of pretty hard hits that he took. Remember, they they put him in the tent because the ref was real concerned. They, they He had to come out of the game for a play a couple of weeks ago. And you, you sometimes yeah. wonder, did a concussion get missed when a guy's taking a little bit longer to come back from one concussion? Uh, you know, and probably not, to be honest with you, as careful as they've been to this point. I mean, maybe it, it got missed. Who knows? Who's to say? And you'll you'll probably never know. But concussion or not, a hit to the head is a hit to the head. Ultimately, you're trying to preserve the long-term health of your player, of the person, C.J. Stroud. So concussion or not, to me, it doesn't make a darn difference. That play particularly should at least, you know, be of concern and is probably of concern and has at least a little bit of something to do with maybe the length of time that it's taken Stroud to recover from this latest hit. So you always have to think about that. One thing we do know, and I always think back to a conversation that I had uh, on the radio, it's probably been about 14 years ago now, um, when concussions really became like what they are today. It was the very impetus of that when they really became a huge talking point. We had one of the best neuro uh, surgeons in in the country in studio one night, and he talked to us for an hour about head injuries and concussions and what they do and didn't know at the time. And so I think taking all that into account, this is certainly something that is not finite. There's all kinds of you know theories. There's all kinds of things that people in the neurological field 
disagree with each other on. So it's it's a very touchy thing. I'd much rather the Texans and C.J. Stroud are on the side of caution than anything else. Yeah, we got to talk about some other injuries, but a quick show reminder, I got a Browns insider coming on the show tomorrow. Make sure you get your notifications on YouTube to see our latest shows because of the holidays. Doesn't look like we're going to do a live Texans postgame, but look for a postgame wrap on Tuesday the 26th. Apologies for the delay there. Let's get back to the preview. Sean, you hearing anything about the injured Texans returning as we sit here Wednesday evening, Anderson, Nico, Fant, Jimmy Ward, et cetera? No, I, I asked D'Amico Ryans about all of those guys today, and he gave me the standard, you know, we'll see how they progress throughout the week. What should be looked upon as a as a good sign, at least in terms of one of those gentlemen that you mentioned, maybe two. I think you might have mentioned another one, Nico Collins and George Fant. Fant was a limited participant at practice today, along with Nico Collins. Nico's a big one, obviously, because even if C.J. Stroud was quarterbacking this football team this weekend against the Browns, even if you would have quarterbacked last week, not having Nico Collins is a big deal. It changes what you can do, what's available to you. It's basic. Everybody knows that. The fact that Nico Collins was not visible during the media portion of practice today, kind of curious, but him showing up as a limited participant on on the practice report, that that's a positive. That's huge. That's the first time we'd seen him in literally a week. He was out catching passes on the side last Wednesday, but that's it didn't participate the rest of the week and they're erring on the side of caution with his second calf injury sustained this season. So hopefully he has a good week of practice and can go on Sunday because that could be a big time difference maker, regardless of who's a quarterback. And I think we know who's a quarterback. Yeah. Charlie Heck and George Fant, both of those guys are free agents. Who do you think the Texans would be most likely to re-sign? Heck looked good. Uh, fans obviously look great all year, at least look solid. And, and who would you want to re-sign of those two guys? Well, I mean, I, I got to tell you, the the guy that's uh, been the healthiest and, you know, look, Fant, you know, popping up on the injury report for the first time in the last week, missing his first game all season long at a critical position when the fourth highest paid right tackle in the league who you made in Titus Howard this offseason hasn't played that position once uh, this year. Fant's done a really, really good job in that role. He's got a hip and maybe dealing with a little sickness, I think, still. Uh, saw him in the locker room today. Looked fine to me. Sounded fine to me. Boy, I thought you were going to ask me who would I rather see on Sunday. One, Fant, just because of the size, the physicality factor. He's got the most time with this offensive line this season, aside, you know, at least in comparison to Charlie Heck. But, man, who would I rather resign? Something tells me that Fant's comments a couple of weeks ago when I asked him, you know, about his future, what this season has meant to him, how he sees his career playing out from this day forward, where he just came in, signed on with the Texans thinking he was going to be a backup. And now he's shown again multiple times now in his career that he's a starting level right tackle in this league uh, and certainly can be in the right system. And we all know that this might not even been the perfect system for him, given the struggles of the offensive line, the run game. Pass blocking is certainly last few weeks, maybe notwithstanding, they've surrendered 21 sacks in a five game span, but he's going to get paid. If I don't, I, I would not anticipate it being by this team. Yeah. And let's not forget Titus might not be back by the start of next year, coming yeah. back from that injury. So that's going to play a role. So you're, you're, you're basically uh, probably dealing with one of those guys being a starter to start the year would be my thought. Quick, quick trivia question for you, which running back, with a minimum of 150 
rushing attempts is 10th in the NFL in yards per carry. A minimum of 150 attempts is 10th in the league in yards per carry? Yes. Jeez. Yards per carry. Well, I'll go Devin Singletary. Yes, that is the answer. And I bring it up, and I think that would shock people as bad as the running game has been because Singletary, when he's had a chance to have multiple carries, touch the ball more often, he's played really well. Hopefully, you know, they're going to throw away the whole Damian Pierce thing and go straight Singletary because when they have, it's worked. But Mm -hmm. the Browns are ranked number one defensively against the pass, number 11 against the run if you go by yards per game. Sean, can Singletary continue what he did last week? And isn't he the key in this game, Rebel? I mean, I thought he was a key, you know, last week, to be quite honest with you, with as depleted as the receiver core was going into that game. It was vital for the Texans to be able to uh, run the football in some capacity. I think, you know, what Singletary did, what the offensive line did in, in, in run blocking was huge. Um, it was it was what you needed 2.0, maybe 3.0. They're going to have to be able to run the football um, in this game. I guess even knowing what Case did this past weekend without Nico Collins, with Noah Brown leading the team in receptions, and Dalton Schultz maybe making the play of the year, saving the Texans' season with that catch, stealing an interception away, and the Texans just breaking enough explosives, Singletary being very much a part of that, Dalton being very much a part of that, Noah various times in the game. You know, for really one of the two couple of handfuls uh, of the time this season, the Texans didn't make good on some explosive plays. One of them ended up in a pick six. The other one ended up in a punt. Their first two explosives they were able to hit last weekend. The fact that they were able to get explosive plays on the ground, Singletary popping a 16-yard run here, 17-yard run there, 20-yard run here, those are, those are vital. I, I don't know that you can necessarily expect that type of production against one of the best defenses that the Texans will have seen all season long, in my opinion, since week one when they faced the Baltimore Ravens. And we know from that point to here, it's a very different football team in terms of who's on the field available to them and just the overall brand of football that they're playing. But you've got to have some semblance of a run game. To me, it's all going to be set up by what the Texans can do on first and second down. If they can stay out of third down, which they've shown the propensity to do so when they're hitting big plays through the air, terrific. But you've got to be able to set yourself up for more third and manageable type situations, third and three, third and four, and be able to rely on your run game, at least make it a fabric of your offense at that point in time. Need to make a quick apology to Brevin Jordan in the postgame. I gave him the blame for the holding call that killed the Singletary touchdown in overtime. I think I got the 8-9 confused, as I'm sure everybody knows it was John Mechie. Sean, have you seen anything from John Mechie that makes him worth the second-round draft pick? I I know he's had the cancer, and he's coming back from the injury that um, he had right at the end of his college career, but is there anything there because – you know, it's it's a little bit frustrating because this is where he should be taking advantage of his chance. He's got a real chance here. I mean, I'd be lying if I said yes, at least in terms of the context of the question. Is he, has he been worth a second-round pick? I mean, the answer is 
you know, a resounding no at this point in time. And yeah, I mean, we know everything that he's gone through, but he's ready to move on from that, has been ready to move on from that. And he wants to keep it, you know, strictly football, about football and his performance. And his performance has not been good. You know, his, his route running has not been up to snuff. It's been pretty apparent there. I think his speed off the line, his ability to create separation just hasn't been there. Yeah, that, um, that, that's one of the things I was going to bring up because it would be something if at least Mechie was getting explosive punt returns or end arounds, but a practice squad available, Stephen Sims, gets opportunities there. And if you notice, outside of Nico and the veteran Robert Woods, Slowick's taking a shot with every receiver in the run game on those end around and reverses except Mechie. Yeah, and I think there's a reason for that. I mean, look, if he's not showing that quickness and ability to make guys miss off of the line and create separation, then he's probably not going to do that when, you know, the defense is kind of loaded up and kind of knows what's coming. And look, those end around plays, you know, some of the jet sweep stuff like that, the fake reverses, counters, whatever you want to call it, that's in large part due to, you know, blocking. Blocking has got to be there particularly on those types of plays. And I think back to some of the ones that we saw Tank Dell be successful on, that sucker looked like you were playing easy mode on Madden and just hitting that little spin move, that spin stick on your PS5 controller, man. I mean, he was juking dudes, jump cutting, 360 in, just sticking his right foot in the ground, bam, getting up field going and showcasing that world-class quickness. You know, a lot of people knew he'd already possessed, you know, from his time in college. And Bobby Slowick said something really curious to a lot of people, everybody really last week, you know, when he was asked about John Mechie, I asked him the question actually in relation to Nick Casario's evaluation of Mechie coming out of training camp when Casario flat out said, hey, he's worked hard, but he looks like a guy that hadn't played football in 18 months. I asked Slowick, I was like, well, how much of the gap do you think Mechie's closed from that point in September to now? And Slowick said quite a bit. Slowick said he's looking more and more like the receiver that was at Alabama. You got to love, you know, coaches, uh, you know, confidence and things like that. And that's really what it's all about. But if he was to really be 100 percent honest, I think he would he's seeing probably the same thing we think we're seeing. And that's a guy that, you know, needs more time. And I'm not ready to call him a bust by any stretch right now. To me, this is a year that is not as pivotal coming in as next year is for a guy like John Mechie, who has a full year for the first time in almost two and a half, where it can be nothing but just about football. Mind you, it wasn't just the cancer. They also drafted a guy who was coming off of ACL tear. And so you get this year under his belt. This offseason's huge for Mechie. Next training camp, preseason, regular season, that's the vital one for John Mechie. You looking at any other angles for this Browns Browns game? The only other notes that I got, the bad news, the Texans have a two and five all-time record versus Joe Flacco. Now, this is a different Joe Flacco than they faced the other times. It's a much older Joe Flacco. But the good news is they have a three and one all-time record on Christmas Eve. So Santa has been good to them. They've been nice and not naughty for the most part. And the last Three times they played on Christmas Eve, they won, including last year. Yeah, I think uh, there's very little minute things that matter in relation to like when they're playing and who they're playing against, who they're playing with. And I say that because, look, the head-to-head records between Keenum and Flacco, 
mean literally next to nothing. I mean, the one thing that you have to really look a little bit deeper into is, well, you know who Joe Flacco is as a 38, 39 year old, however the heck old he is. Uh, I think he is 38, 39, right? He's got about three, four years on case. He's been yeah. around. Yeah. Um, you, you know what kind of quarterback he is. So you know what to expect. You maybe know tendencies. You know what he's willing to do. And certainly with the personnel that he has at his disposal right now, you know what his limits are. But he's also shown that, you know, <laughs> he's not afraid to take deep shots at what that's what you have at your disposal with this Cleveland Browns offense. They're going to give their guys opportunities to make chunk plays in the air. You know, look, it's small sample size, but the Browns have shown the propensity to do that. The one outlier, you know, if we're talking about just Texans to Browns and what they've done this year, the Browns have uh, been a very opportunistic defense. They're sixth in the league in turnovers created per game. Uh, they do it both in the air, you know, picking the ball off, They've been a very physical football team, create fumbles, have had opportunities that way as well. I look at a guy like Case Keenum, you know, case in point, last week, he was who he is, a guy that is going to take risks. Getting put on his butt with the ball in his hand is the last thing that Case wants to do. And if he has an opportunity to give a receiver a shot to make a play, he's going to do it, i.e. Dalton Schultz. That worries me a little bit. If the Browns are able to dial up consistent pressure and force Keenum to operate out of the pocket or uncomfortably in a tight one where he's got to step up and make some risky throws, try to fit balls into tight windows, I worry about this Browns defense taking advantage of that and making a play or two. And do, you, do you think that Case at all, you know, maybe learned something last week because he hasn't started in a while, he hadn't thrown those opportunities, and – you know, he, he's got to realize maybe the arm strength isn't there because he made some throws on the sideline that just, you know, almost didn't get there and, and could have been a disaster. I mean, I think he knows exactly what he's capable of. He talked about it on the Manning cast on Monday night. They asked uh, specifically about that play that they'd taken him out, put Mills in. He said, well, dude can, dude can sling it. I can't. But I also thought, too, it's like, well – they know what they're going to do. They're going to take a shot, and the Texans were not willing to let Case stay in there and possibly take a hit. That's really why I thought they pulled him. And turns out Davis is the one that took a hit and got sacked, and that was just kind of a hand-in-face moment. But I think Case absolutely learned something. I and mean, it's one thing, the guy literally last started, this was crazy to me, right? And you know this, everybody does. The last game that Case had started in the NFL for anybody came two franchises ago when he was uh, a backup quarterback with the Cleveland Browns uh, towards the end of the 21 season. Played January 9, 2022, actually won a football game for the Cleveland Browns that weekend. But now on his third different franchise within a calendar year, that to me was, you know, one of the cra <laughs> more crazy things. Of course, he's learned something. You get to do something for the first time in a long time in back-to-back -back weeks. A veteran guy, smart guy like Case, who told us, Robert, you remember exclusively, this version of the West Coast offense is the greatest hits. And who better to operate and orchestrate the particular game, albeit the next biggest game of the Texan season, uh, that version, Case Keenum. And I think uh, he knows that. He knows his limitations, but he's also proven over the course of his career he's not going to be a guy that's afraid to take shots. Yeah, we think of cases like, oh, he's this 95-year-old grizzled veteran. Tom Brady, 35, come on. he's 35. Tom Brady had three Super Bowls after he turned 35. Aaron Rodgers 
was going to the Pro Bowl every, you know, Aaron Rodgers is now 40 years old. He's going to the Pro Bowl the last few years before he came to the Jets. So yeah, Case Keenum, you know, he's older, obviously, but it's like there's a new paradigm really with quarterbacks and age right now in the NFL. Yeah. Case, you know, he's got a little weight in areas that he didn't used to have weight in, you know, when he was quarterback in the Cougars back in the day and even the Texans, the first go round, but, uh, dad bod. He's, he's definitely a dad. He's rocking the dad bod for sure. But, um, if we're, if we're, you know, calling a spade a spade case has never been a guy who was going to win, um, a Mr. Universe competition for his physique. All right, let's just be honest. Uh, but he's he's obviously kept in good enough shape to where he can run this offense and execute a boot as good as anybody. So for that reason, uh, as, as fun, exciting, and at times last week as vanilla in terms of uh, results this offense was, I would expect a little bit better of execution from Case in the Texans' behalf this week, especially if they have Nico Collins at their disposal. It's felt like a playoff game really last week, or it felt like one. It feels feels like one this week, like every is, I mean, can they lose this game? Do you think? I mean, theoretically you could, you you really could look, you lose this game before last weekend's game. You said three and one down the stretch, these last four games, that's obviously still very much in play. You feel a lot better about the Titans in a couple of weekends than you did two weeks ago before you'd played them initially because you possibly could have broken them as as a team this year. Literally, you almost broke Will Levis on one of the final few plays of the game. Derrick Henry, you held him uh, to .6 yards per carry in the run game, and you made NFL history in doing it. So I think in that regard, many more, and you probably, look, you 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 stricken them of any playoff hopes period so what's the likelihood of jeffrey simmons being good for next weekend's game when they play the texans at home you have to look at all those factors so you feel good about that one the colts that's just a team that ain't going to go away man that that week 18 game i think no matter how you slice it or dice it it's gonna mean something is it gonna mean the division is it gonna mean the seventh and final seed in the postseason within the AFC. I, I think the Texans can afford to lose this game, but if we're being a hundred percent real talk about this, man, the Texans lost the ability to fully control their own destiny the day they lost against the Jaguars. And really when they lost against the Jets. Those two losses in a row took it out of their hands completely. And they knew they were going to need help elsewhere. And the fact that the Colts continue to win football games, the Browns continue to win football games, and look, you're tied with the Jaguars. They're beat up a little bit offensively. Trevor's not the same guy. There's hope, but I'd rather see them win out. And I I would feel a heck of a lot better about that if C.J. Stroud was at quarterback, no doubt about it. But the fact that despite what the Texans are missing, Robert, offensively, defensively, they got to be able to dial it up again. You're going to have to almost neutralize that Browns defense with your defense. Can the Texans find an opportunistic way to flip the field, get points on defense or special teams? To me, that in some degree for the Texans or the Browns will be a difference maker on Sunday. Yeah, it's just the kind of opposite bill too because they just went against a rookie. Now they're going up against a super old veteran. So. 
he's going to know a little bit more about what he's doing, but you know, he did have three interceptions last week. So we'll see Sean, because I have no rockets guest plan this week. I want to do a quick thing. That's got me pumped with the rockets and who yeah. doesn't love Tari Eason. We're recording this before the Hawks game. So hopefully this trend continues, but in his last five, these are the averages last five games, 28 minutes per game, which you hope that trend keeps going up. Hopefully he's got this injury that um, they keep listing him as questionable and you're, you're hoping that that's going to eventually go away. But 52.5% from the field, 50%, 50% from three, 15.8 points, 10 boards, 2.2 steals. And this is the big one for me. The Rockets are a plus 37 with Tari on the floor, plus 37 with him on the floor in those five games. And most importantly, Sean, he's closing games. He's closing the games now. Yeah, no doubt. Um, He's been one of the most pleasant surprises, um, you know, I think this season for the Rockets. The thing is with Tari and and what I thought from as soon as I started watching him last year is there's no other way to say it. The guy affects winning. Like he's doing 14 different things that are positive. And it's not about the fact that he's got great moves. It's not about the fact that he's like a super scorer. All they ever talk about with Jalen Green is scoring. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, Jalen doesn't do much of anything else at all. But Tari Eason is doing everything else. He's stealing. Go ahead, say it. He's he's just havoc. He's just a havoc maker. He's picking up the slack. And there's a lot to pick up in regards to Jalen Green's game. Uh, I think you made a great point in, in terms of the kind of culture guy that Ime Udoka was looking for. Dude was already here. And he went out and got one with Dylan Brooks. He went out and got another one with Fred Van Vliet. He went out and got one with Jeff Green. There was a dude in Tari Eason that already existed in. And I, I think, you know, as you're watching this season play out, as much as people are surprised by this turnaround in style of play and culture and grittiness and toughness with this Rockets team is starkly different than the one we'd seen than what we've seen from this organization the last three years. Tari being a young guy, like so many others on this team, there's elements there with, with others, you know, Jabari and Alperin and all of them really, except for Jalen. He just doesn't seem like, he seems like the, the, the odd man out in terms of like a real fit for the culture, the the style of play that Ime wants and needs out of this organization, this team. And so it's still early. I I, I still think, you know, Jalen has an opportunity to 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 turn it around and um, you know, figure out how to be a professional. Um and, and that 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 means I don't mean it to sound so generalistic, but in preparation, in working on the finer aspects of his game, if that means, uh, you know, working on spacing defensively, uh, when to be aggressive, when not to be, um, just the fundamental aspects defensively, but the fundamental aspects of, of, of shooting the basketball, taking instruction, working on mechanics, not being afraid to change something. I think, you know, we expect a little bit much of these young players, keeping in mind the, the culture that they'd come from. Uh, you know, over the last couple of years, particularly with Jalen, this is a shock to him. And I hope it's a big one. I hope it's uh, a whole bunch of humble pie he's having to eat. But there's a lot of basketball left this season. I think he can 
figure it out. It may not be pretty along the way, but I think he can figure it out. Yeah, I, I don't think the guy necessarily isn't humble. My concern, and you can go back and listen to me talk about an extended thing with Jalen we talked about early in the season, and none, none of what I said there has changed. My big concern with Jalen is I'm not seeing the stair step to the game. I'm not seeing the basketball IQ. He he gets shots. He gets open shots because, you know, he's so quick and, you know, he's so athletic. He gets a lot of open shots. Now, unfortunately, not near the basket, and he doesn't know how to finish around the basket in traffic, and that's something hugely important. You want to see a guy that pretty much is the same size that's doing that finishing around the basket. He just got back in the game last night, Ja Morant. I mean, they're about the same size. Ja knows how to finish inside. He wow. figures it out. Jalen just can't do it. And maybe Ja's like a hair more athletic, but they're both super, you know, they're they're both super athletic. But the thing with Jalen is, you know, his defense is a little bit better. I mean, it couldn't get worse. He's actually trying this year, thanks to Udoka. His rebounding's a little bit better. That's something that should have got, been much better the last two years. Again, Udoka's kind of forcing him to rebound and get in there and do that. But I never see him as elite at any other skill except scoring. And that's my big concern with Jalen is he's too small to be a great defensive player. He's not, he doesn't have the body to be a great defensive player. He's not, you know, going to be a great rebounder. His, his vision is not anything special. So as a passer, you're not getting that. And so if you're talking about this guy turning into an all-star or a superstar, whatever your goal is with him as far as the big level, it's not going to happen because if all you do is score and that's your one elite skill, that's not good enough. And as far as shooting is concerned, his shooting hasn't changed at all since the first day he came to the Rockets. The numbers are identical. They they didn't change last year. They haven't changed this year. He He's streaky, and he's not consistent, and his jump shot is not exactly visually great. I mean, the form and everything like that, maybe that can improve a little bit. I know they've tried to improve it, but we've gone through a couple of coaches now, and I, I'm at the point with Jalen is, with I'm at the point with him, I don't want him traded because his value is worthless right now. But, you know, if Amen was playing the last few months instead of being injured and then sick, then Jalen would be in deep trouble right now as far as minutes concerned. And awesome. the, minutes, the minutes would be, you know, escaping Jalen right now. And and I personally believe that once Amen gets back, the minutes need to go down with Jalen until something changes that's, that's with, a good with point. his game. I mean, they, they, his minutes, Amen needs to take those a lot of those minutes away um, because, look, he can't finish a game on the Rockets. They were great, Sean, earlier in the year starting games, but the last few games, they're terrible starting. And who am I going to put that on? It's probably not Van Bleet. It's probably not Dylan Brooks. Now, Shangoon, he's dropped off some, and that's a concern, and he hasn't started off games well. But the guy that, you know, never starts off the games well, seemingly, is Jalen Green. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's really a mark of, you know, you're talking about from a team-wide standpoint, what we've seen of this Rockets, uh, this version of the Rockets is a mark of a young team, you know, where they've struggled consistently with the way that they played at home, which has been terrific, versus on the road, the start and the end of games. It's just about being consistent and being mentally prepared and learning how to do that. 
right? And it's a process. And the beautiful part is, is they've got more than 17 games to do it, unlike the Texans, right? And that's what kind of makes what D'Amico's been able to instill culture-wise with that football team dealing with 53 and many variations of a fifth version of a 53-man uh, roster on a given week. The Rockets, it's a long season. I, that's why I'm really, really excited. You know, hopefully Amin can come back and he's, you know, healthy and he earns those minutes and earns the opportunity to make Jalen sweat a little bit because we know this, the Rockets have the coach that's not afraid, uh, you know, to, to treat these boys like men, right? He's going to play the best five period uh, and the ones that deserve to play the ones that are going to give him the best chance to win. And if I'm in earns that, then he's certainly going to get those minutes and maybe even in crunch time, if he earns that opportunity over a guy like Jalen, who, as you mentioned, there's a reason why he's not, you know, trending to be an elite player or a complete player right now because of his streakiness. So I'm looking forward to the rest of these, you know, 55, 56, 57 games, whatever it is left in this season because of that growth factor. There is a lot of room to grow with who you already have wearing a Rockets jersey. And um, Jalen Green has a lot to prove uh, to to a lot of people that he, he can be very much a part of this future because right now it doesn't appear that, uh, you know, he's the best fit uh, like the others are. Yeah, you talk about consistency in young guys. And there is a difference to me between what we've seen with Tari and Shangoon and Jabari over the last couple of years and Jalen. And the difference to me is the consistency with those guys is not good. It's inconsistent. There's this and that with, with, with those guys for the most part. Tari recently, obviously, has been about as consistent as anybody. But still, you've seen the ups and downs with those guys. Yeah. But what I ha haven't seen from Jalen, which I have seen from those guys, is you'll see a jump here. Like, they'll fix some issues. They'll get better with issues. And outside of the defensive rebounding, which has just been – was flat-out effort the first two years under Silas, which is – that was a Silas issue. Other than that, I'm looking for what Jalen has gotten better at. And – especially offensively, because that's his calling card. And I just don't see it. Whereas, you know, Shangoon, you see him fixing his turnover issues for the most part. He has his games, but he's fixing that. And he's fixing defensive issues, and it's getting better. He has moments, but it's getting better. Mm -hmm. Jabari, same story. We, we saw the rebounding uptick. At the last couple of games, he hadn't been all that great. But the stuff is like you, you'll, you're seeing – yeah. The ladder. And, and you know how it is, Sean. You coach kids. Sometimes the ladder isn't even. You go up two steps, you drop a step. You go up sure. two steps, you drop a step. And and whatever. The problem is, Jalen, I don't, don't see the up two steps. <laughs> you know, I just see very a very level thing with Jalen. I just think part. he cares so damn much about, you know, being um, a scorer and, and being a dude. Uh, you know, offensively, that when he struggles, when he's having a bad night, he lets it affect the rest of his game. Rashan Goon does too. When he go, when he's got cool. offensive issues, he does too. And you know, you can see Udoka talking him through it during games and stuff like that. But the problem is, Jalen just isn't on as much as Shangoon. His offense isn't as good as Jalen ha has been on a consistent basis. Sure, some guys you can reach too. 
And some guys, you can't. Some guys, it's some guys, you know, make it a little bit more difficult. It's harder. And, and Shane Goon's got that it. confidence. That guy has got oh, more yeah. confidence than J- Jalen. There's just Actually, something you have to you have to believe that you're going to make the next shot every single time. And it's, it's a lot of times you just don't feel like Jalen's. But but it. sometimes, you know, and this is this is an area of the game that Jalen can improve upon is, you know what? Sometimes you don't need to take that next shot. Doesn't matter how wide open you are. Um, sometimes maybe you need to find uh, your way. Let the ball kind of come to you, right? Sometimes you got to be able to realize, you know what? Let me let me find a way to get a play for somebody else. You know, there's a better option out there. And if it's meant to be, it's meant to be. And maybe that's an area of his game that, you know, comes a little bit faster than maybe his shot does. Because I, that's why I say it's a long season. There's an opportunity to kind of work through some kinks here and there, make an adjustment or two. But we know this. Nine times out of ten, that's going to come in the offseason, man, when you're shooting 300 shots a day and you're working on something, and then you're putting that in the practice. Generally, that's not going to come in the heart of the season. You don't have a lot of time for that, or at least as much time. It's very difficult to change what you've done for such a long period of time in the heart of a season with so much other stuff going on. Um, but I think Jalen can significantly improve in other areas, which would ultimately help his offensive game. And maybe it's not going to come via the perimeter, but there's no reason that he can't be a better finisher of the basket. There's no reason that he can't get the ball in more opportunistic uh, situations when he's given it up. It's moving away from the basketball and letting the, letting, letting the game kind of come to you in a different area instead of, you know, forcing your way in pushing the envelope as much as he does. I think he cares so darn much about that, that it does hinder him in other parts of his game. Bottom line for me is if I'm putting a bet down on it, I'm, I'm pushing all in that. It's just not going to happen for Jalen. He's not going to turn into that all-star. There's just too much that I've seen not to believe in, you know, again, don't trade him. Talent, and He's too young. I'm not, I'm not closing the door on that just yet. Yeah, I just if, – if I'm betting, if I'm betting, there's still a chance that he could be something. But, again, what is he going to do besides score? You know, what is there more to his game? Well, you know, just to give you an example, Sean, Zach Levine with the Chicago Bulls. And you hear a lot of people go, well, look, it took Zach Levine a long time to become a, mm-hmm. you know, really good basketball player. But Zach Levine – He's on the market right now, and there's not a lot of interest in Zach Levine because guess what? All he does is score. And the funny thing was he got hurt a couple of weeks ago, and the Bulls are practically winning every single game without Zach Levine in the lineup. Right. And that that's the thing is like, yeah, if, if your goal for Jalen is Zach Levine, then that's a guy that just doesn't impact winning enough because, again, it's points, and that's it. And, and you got to be able to do other stuff to really be a great player today. 100%. All right. Well, that's all we got. got. Again, look for us to do a wrap-up on Tuesday of the Browns game. And also, don't forget that we're going to have a guest tomorrow talking about the Browns and the Texans, a good insider on the Browns end. And uh, he'll give us some other angles to this game. But otherwise, everybody have a great Christmas. And, uh, and we'll talk to you again soon. You're listening to Houston Sports Talk.
Hey, don't forget to support us by subscribing and commenting on YouTube. You can always listen to us on Spotify, Apple, or your favorite podcast app. Tell your friends about us and share our show links on social media. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening. Thank you.